Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Quick update before we start the show. Himalaya has extended the 30-day free offer on the Box of Oddities premium channel. Yeah, so if you want to check out the premium content. And support the Box of Oddities in doing so. You can check it out for free for the first 30 days using a new promo code. Promo code BOX. You can find the link on our website, theboxofoddities.com or your Himalaya app. For a limited time. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So this weekend was the very first bonus episode. This past weekend was our very first bonus episode uh, that we issued to the Order of Freaks. Yeah, it's a part of your premium subscription. So if it's a great way to support the box of oddities uh, when you subscribe to the premium content on the Himalaya app. And you get some stuff. Ad-free episodes, episodes drop a day early for use, bonus episodes, as we mentioned. And during this bonus episode, we had some news that we shared. Oh, it was news. Oh, it was news. We're going to share it with you now. And it's important. It's dog-related, you guys. So you might remember uh, a few episodes ago, we mm-hmm. had their DNA testing done. We, we sent out uh, Willie's DNA and uh, we got the results back. And then we thought, well, this is really cool. Let's, let's get banjos done as well. So we did. And we got the results back. So we're scrolling through banjos results. And one of the things, one of the features of the Embark test is it shows you the other people who are the other dogs whose DNA is listed in their system that have a DNA match to your dog. So like we saw Willie had a 48% match to Yoda and a 48% match to Mr. Meatloaf. And, and that's equivalent to a human relationship like a parent or a sibling. So then we got... Banjo's 
DNA results back. And we're scrolling through again. And of course, my favorite part is seeing the uh, animals that are related to the pups because I, I get to compare how much they look like them. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, this one looks just like Willie, right? <laughs> He's probably his brother. And then I freak out and cry. Um, so when we're scrolling through Banjo's relatives, we noticed Mr. Meatloaf. That looked familiar. Gosh, it did. And so I went back to Willie's results and Willie had a relative named Mr. Meatloaf. It's the same Mr. Meatloaf that they're both related to. Well, not just Mr. Meatloaf. There were like four or five others. There were four or five others, yes. So what we determined was that Willie, who came from Arizona, and Banjo, who came from Maine, share a family from uh, the Wisconsin, Illinois area. Wisconsin slash Illinois. They're cousin bears. They are. They're related. And not just distant relatives. They're very closely related. Again, like parent-sibling type of relationship. It's crazy. Well, if they're parent-sibling with Mr. Meatloaf, then Mr. Meatloaf was parent-sibling to... So it would be more like cousins than parent-sibling. Okay. There's a there's an extra degree there. There's an extra Will Smith. Which, by the way, is another unit of measurement here on the Box of Oddities. <laughs> Grilled cheese sandwiches and Will Smith's. So that's the big reveal, uh, is that through Dan... Through DNA testing, we have determined that Willie and Banjo are related, even though they came from the complete opposite sides of the country. Anyway, so just take a moment and sit down, catch your breath after Mm -hmm. that news, and Kat's going to tell you a story. Oh, okay. So I want to talk today about Catherine Smith, uh, also known as Kitty Smith. She was born into a Chicago family, October 29. 1882. Her mother and father were English people, um, but her father became a naturalized citizen of the U.S. in 1882. She had two older brothers and a younger sister, Emily. So at the age of nine, Kitty's mother suddenly passed away, and she was left in the care of her father, and her father was not doing great. He was having a real hard time keeping, one, his temper in line, and two, his drinking to a minimum. Ah, so drinking and temper. Right. So often they go hand in hand. For for reals, yeah. Now, there are conflicting reports about what happened on Thanksgiving Day, 1891. Neighbors reported that Kitty had refused to do the housework that was left after her mother had died, or she wasn't doing it to her father's specifications. Kids, am I right? Right. So her father beat her and then held her hands to a lit stove um, until uh, her hands and arms were burned so badly that uh, they had to be amputated. Oh, my God. Now, how old was she? Nine. Nine years old. Now... Later reports uh, show that Kitty stated that what had happened was she was sent to the store to get booze for her father, and she had tried a little uh, herself, and then when she was filling the stove, the heat plus the booze to a nine-year-old's body uh, led her to pass out into the fire. So she was covering up for her father. It could have been either way. I don't know. Physicians and surgeons said that the bones of her hands and arms were so badly burned, uh, they amputated three inches from the shoulders. I mean, you would have to leave your arms in an open fire Mm. for an extended period of time, Mm. even 
crematory ovens. They have to bust the bones up with a hammer. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, that's not saying that her bones burned down I, to dust. No, I it's get just, it. I'm just, you know, frame of reference. Okay, yeah. So the Humane Society of Illinois took the matter up and arrested Kitty's father. After a trial, he was held to the grand jury, and the final trial in the spring of 1892, he was acquitted for lack of evidence. The so, Humane Society? Mm-hmm. The people you adopt puppies and kittens from? Now, I don't know. I think that, that they, they may have been connected at one point. I'm hmm. not sure. Sounds like maybe her father should have been neutered. I mean, I think that that's the case for a lot of people. <laughs> but every time I suggest that, people get all weird. They get all <laughs> weird about like, it. Like airborne birth control. Am I right? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so she also had burns on her neck and her chest, but they weren't that serious. Um, she was discharged from the hospital in February of 1892. So, I mean, that's four months in the hospital. Wow. Kitty became a ward of the Children's Home Society of Illinois for several years, uh, specifically living in the home for destitute and crippled children. And it was there that one of the doctors, Mr. Gregg, took an interest in the story surrounding her. And as this time rolled around, Kitty's father had waived any rights to her. So the doctor created an education fund for her. Uh, it was called the Kitty Smith Fund, and it proved to be a success. And donations allowed the doctor to bring in specialized staff to teach now armless Katie how to use her feet to accomplish uh, specific tasks. No, they didn't call her armless Katie. They did not. Because that would have been cruel. However. Even by 19th century standards. <laughs> when I was uh, searching the web for her, uh, Kitty Smith, armless wonder was how I found her. Ah, so, okay. I mean, it's not that far off. So Kitty became very skilled in riding with her feet. She also loved to draw and paint. Uh, she could also play piano. She could type. She had embroidery skills, and the Whoa. fund, I know, like I can't embroider Whoa. with my hands. No. So she left in 1896, and that fund helped support her. Uh, it paid for her board when she moved to Wisconsin to attend public school. It's said that during her time in the home and in school, she saw people who she felt were far worse off than she was, and she was grateful for what she had and the people who had supported her through her life. So she had kind of this boundless gratitude and sweetness to her, even though she had a lot of right to be angry. So by 1905, Kitty's fund was exhausted, and she was not eligible to draw from the state any longer. Um, her family had all kind of disbanded. Obviously, her father was not in the picture, and I think at this point he had died anyway. Uh, her brothers were low-paid laborers. Her sister had been adopted. She wasn't going to be of help to her. So Kitty resolved to support herself. So she began to kind of humbly capitalize on her tragedy. She started selling drawings and pamphlets about her story. The pamphlets distributed were accompanied by a return card. 
there was a little slot in the return card where you could put a quarter if you wanted to help support her. Okay. Which is so clever. And since she made these pamphlets on her own. By it, foot. By foot. Mm-hmm. It was very inspiring. They were foot made. And the optimism that she showed and the determination, it really did. It got people engaged and they were happy to help. And by 1906, she had amassed over $35,000 in quarters. Wow. Yeah. This chick was the real deal. She wrote, I have never had a lesson in drawing or sketching, acquiring the little knowledge I have on the subject by practice, using a study which I place on the floor at the side of my drawing paper. I sharpen my pencils, opening and closing the knife that I use to sharpen myself. Again, I have injured myself (laughs) opening a knife with my hands. And you've almost been arrested at TSA a number of times. All right, all right. Kitty was able to dress herself, brush her teeth, comb her hair, do all those common tasks. She could also accomplish common household tasks, sweeping, mopping, cleaning stoves, etc. Amazingly, she could also play the piano. As I said, she could do semi-skilled woodwork. She made bookcases, desks, and other furniture completely by herself. Oh my God. Wow. Beyond all this... Kitty's story moved people because of her attitude. She she was so positive. She was an optimist. And she just considered herself really lucky in life. So Kitty founded the Kitty Smith Company, where she employed a bookkeeper, a stenographer, and a dozen envelope stuffers or so. And she wanted to help kids with disabilities overcome uh, the things that they were dealing with. And uh, she was using her story as as a way to do that. She was kind of like a motivational speaker, but she did not live in a van. Down by the river? Right. Largely by the tenacious and very persistent efforts of Gracie Wilbur Trout and her cohorts in 1912 through 1913, on June 26, 1913, women began being allowed to vote on presidential elections. That's scandalous. As well as many other elections. So in 1913, an estimated 250,000 women voted in Chicago, with Kitty leading the way. So Kitty was the first woman to vote in Chicago. No way. And she did it with her feet. No. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, in a book she published, uh, she... um, sold reproductions of her drawings and embroidery all done with her feet. Uh, There was a photo of a quilt that she made, all of the pieces for which she cut and sewed herself. And she wrote in that book, uh, toward those who have helped me in the past, my heart is filled with boundless gratitude. And to you who helped me by buying this book, I shall answer and say, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of at least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. She was just really grat- gratful. She was grat? She had all the grat. She, she was right full of grat. Yeah. That's incredible. Anyway, that's the story of Kitty the Armless Dynamo. <laughs> Uh, who was the first woman to vote in Chicago. So what else happened in her life? I mean, you said she started her own company. Mm-hmm. Did uh, that continue to uh, help people? And Yeah. 
That's and that's how she made her living was by uh, writing books and uh, making art and showing people that you don't have to be bound by the parameters that typically we think you are. That's a remarkable story. I thought so. I know it's not a very long one, but I just thought she was so inspiring. I woke up this morning cranky because I slept on my hair wrong. I know. And it was all poofy on one side. It was doing that woo-woo thing. Yeah. And so, wow, do I feel like a douche. As well you should. And now, that thing in the middle. This thing in the middle, weird wrong numbers that people have gotten. Number five, I got a wrong number. Actually, it was a text one time with a photo of a couple of little kids, and it said something like, just thought you'd want to see what your children look like. Ooh. Eesh. Number four, I got a few calls from several people looking for tickets to a rodeo. One guy called three times, and on the third, he said, no, this is the right number. Um, what? Number three, I had an old guy call my family's house when I was in high school, and uh, before he hung up, after I explained he had the wrong number, he said, you sound like a smart young feller. Do you know anything about computers? (laughs) I love it when old people call me a smart young feller. That's what I want my vanity plate to say. (laughs) Number two, someone was calling for a friend who had the same name as me. Neither of us could figure out what the hell was going on for a few minutes there. I imagine that would be very confusing. And number one, my kid called from his friend Joe's house and said he wanted to stay there after school, and I agreed. And then my kid walks in. Wrong kid, wrong number. Sorry, random kid. You just got in so much trouble. (laughs) I did call, and you said it was okay. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Box of Oddities. Your mileage may vary. We got an email from Will. He said, Hi, Kat and Jethro. I just listened to today's episode and I wanted to write you with some follow-up to Kat's story. Theodore Donahue. Now, he was the guy that we talked about who was recently arrested. Dill. Dill, that's right. Um, Now, he hasn't been found guilty, but he has been arrested for the uh, suspicion of murder. And uh, apparently, Will grew up just down the road from Dill. Uh, He writes, his house was one I always walked a little faster past and which gave off the eeriest feeling. Due to his reclusive nature, Donahue's nickname in my house was the Turtle Man. Wow. As you can imagine, this story has been the main topic of conversation in the neighborhood and hearing it on the Box of Oddities was delightfully surreal. Love the podcast. Thanks for reading. Thanks for sharing, Will. No kidding. I want to know about any encounters you had with this dude. Over the years. I am screaming. I love that you live near to him. You could be our box of oddities investigative reporter. I feel like if he had hung out with Dill, probably he would have mentioned it. But maybe he knows somebody who has hung out with Dill. Maybe he had. Maybe he does. Maybe, maybe it's the like two degrees of separation. Two Will Smiths. Mm. All right. Here's my topic today. It was actually inspired by one of your old jobs. Okay. Mowing graveyards? Yes. Yeah, I knew it. Yes. I knew it wasn't going to be working at Ames. No, (laughs) which is a defunct department store. (laughs) Yes, you actually worked in a graveyard. Well, 
several. Many. Right? Yeah, yeah. For, for the town, and you just mowed the lawns. That's right. What a great job that must have been. It was glorious. You just had the place to yourself. Were you on a riding lawnmower? No. You did it by hand? Yes. Oh, that sucks. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ins and outs. I it would suppose. be impossible to to manage a, a full cemetery uh, on a ride-on lawnmower. You'd have to go in and do so much trim work that it would be silly anyway. So why not just do it right the first time? That's why a lot of uh, more modern cemeteries only have like the memorial stones that are implanted in the ground. Mm. Uh, they call those places memorial parks as opposed to cemeteries. And it's much cheaper to get a, a plot in a memorial park because it's easier to maintain. Yeah, I would imagine, for sure. Now, while you were working there, I, I imagine, you know, you never really mowed at night. No, no. It yeah. was daytime work. Would you have mowed at night if they asked you to? I guess. I mean... Did anything creepy ever happen? No. To, never? Not once? No, there were a few uh, places where... Because it, this was an old town, like a small town, and there were some really old cemeteries that that I worked at. So there were some that were kind of tucked back into the woods, mm. and of those, some went far back, and then the really old... Uh, stones were way back and they were kind of away. So there were some spots that were maybe a little darker during the day, maybe a little cooler than you'd expect. And sure. they kind of have that quiet, eerie feeling. But no, nothing ever weird happened. Well, these are experiences that people who work in cemeteries and graveyards had that uh, were, if not just creepy, out and out unexplained. Okay. And this is according to Ranker. One guy says, I had a number of odd experiences with our crematorium. Um, one such instance was in 2012, following the service of a very large man, roughly 375 pounds. I got the retort, which is the uh, cremation chamber, preheated, while my wife set up a movie for us to watch while the man was being cremated. I used the elevating platform and then slid him in, closing the door to the retort afterward, and going to sit down. Now, about five minutes after I'd shut the door to the retort, we heard a thump. Neither of us paid much attention, but a few moments later, there was another and then another. I stood up worried that the man may have had a pacemaker still inside of him. However, it was unlikely because he had had all of his organs removed during an autopsy. The thumping and the thudding got more hurried. So we ran over and we looked through the front window of the retort and could not believe what we were seeing. The man inside was flailing about. Both of his arms and legs were bouncing around like he was in extreme pain. Now, it isn't odd to see parts move while somebody is being cremated. The limbs, sure. they're, they're breaking down. They will often contract as muscles and tendons will snap. Yeah, well, it's like, you know... a. A bonfire. Wood burns, it shifts, it moves. There's, I mean, it's yeah. like anything else that burns. It, as it breaks down, it's going to move. He said, but this was most decidedly not that. The man's fingers were balled up in fists, and he was banging against the windows, and his legs seemed to be kicking downward as if trying to get out. The man's mouth was open, and first groans began emanating from within, and then they ultimately became screams. There was no way, absolutely no way whatsoever, that he could still have been alive. But for about 20 seconds after we'd gone back up to the retort, the man inside the cremation chamber screamed and flailed his arms and legs about. I mean, did you 
would you have like opened it and just double checked or were you kind of like, ah, I've committed? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Mm. Uh, what would you do? Well, Here comes know. John Keonis. <laughs> uh, probably I'd have to open it. I think that my curiosity would, I don't think it would allow me to just let it continue without investigating further. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I, I think probably the right thing to do would be to investigate it further, but I'd probably just go back and watch the rest of Caddyshack. Which is nice, I think. I think. Another guy writes uh, that his family had owned a cemetery for nearly five generations, and he said, I've been working there since I was 12. The house that my family built on the property is about 30 yards back from the main office. One night when we were kids, my grandpa and my uncle were up late. My uncle happened to look out the window and swore to my grandpa that he'd seen somebody walking behind one of the trees. The lamppost illuminated the very first handful of plots and headstones on the other side of the road, but at that point, they, everything was fine. It, it, there was nothing suspicious going on that okay. he could see. My grandpa and my uncle stood at the window for a little while. My grandpa ultimately teased my uncle for being scared. However, when they woke up the next morning, the police were there. In the hours between when they looked out the window and saw the burial plots undisturbed, which was about 4 a.m., and the time they noticed the commotion from the police at about 7 a.m., seven plots had been dug up. The headstones were stacked very deliberately like a house of cards, and behind them, the caskets were atop one another, first one lying flat, the next one straight up, then flat, then straight up, then flat. I don't believe this even a little bit. How would you even manage that? Like, most caskets have rounded sides and they wouldn't stack that way. It's just physics. He says with basic casket dimensions taking into account, that was about 30 feet high. Mm -mm. Now, he says, even with machinery in the present day, it would take at least a bit more time to accomplish just digging up seven graves. But back in the 50s, how this was done in 180 minutes with no one that lived in the house right across the street hearing it is just, it's, it's impossible to explain. Or impossible. Or impossible to explain. That's right. You've already said that. He was there. You weren't there. You don't know. He's a Reddit man. Now picture this. Another cemetery employee uh, said that she was originally hired because the cemetery had a period of time where they experienced some people sneaking in to perform certain rituals. She said, I was 21 years old doing this as a side job with nothing to protect myself. I was given a barcode scanner and was told to drive through the entire cemetery every hour on patrol and to scan each of the pre-posted barcodes to prove I was actually doing it, going through the, uh, the cemetery and checking it. Now, this cemetery was massive, pretty much broken down in three parts. The newer part, the historic part, and the famous part where celebrities are buried. Okay. I did the routine once and never did it again, going as going so far as to break the barcode scanner so I didn't have to do it. While I was driving, it was pitch black, coming around a long curved road, my headlights picked up what I could have sworn were a pair of legs walking across the path, but only up to the knees. Shoes, pants, knees, and then absolutely nothing. I stopped in the road and just watched this pair of legs cross about 10 feet in front of me. What kind of pants, though? Probably corduroy. You think so? I think ghosts love corduroy. I like the whoosh-whoosh sound that it makes. Sure, it's spooky. One day I was chatting with an old man in the mausoleum. 
and he was rambling on about his wife and how her crypt looked so nice with the marble and such, and he had his hand resting on the niche next to hers. And he kept saying, this is where I'm going to go. After we parted ways, I looked at his spot, and he was gone, and on the marble was his date of death, which we only sandblast death dates after they've been entombed. Creepy. That is creepy. Maybe it was like one of those wrong number situations where the guy was just confused and he was like, this is where I'm going to go. And it's like, "Okay, Grandpa. (laughs) Yeah, that could be. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't even his wife he was visiting. That's right. Exactly. It could have been a total stranger. In fact, he might have been in the wrong cemetery. We don't know. We don't know, Claire. We don't know, Claire. A different cemetery employee said, uh, one afternoon, my coworker and I were walking the paved roads Inside the cemetery with a trash bag looking for litter, we came upon a particular area of the cemetery. Oh, my God. It was covered in Vaseline. How did you know? Did you look at my notes? (laughs) (laughs) They were all neatly stacked on gravestones. It's ghosts. Very horny ghosts. We came upon one particular area of the cemetery that had a lot of mausoleums and took the next lane around a corner that goes alongside of one of the mausoleums. As we rounded it, there was an older gentleman, maybe late 60s, early 70s, standing with his back against the side of the mausoleum, just looking at the plot of graves nearby. Two things were kind of weird about him. He was dressed a bit odd. His clothing seemed to be out of date. He was wearing a corduroy jacket (laughs) in 80-degree weather. Mm -hmm. And one of those newsboy-type caps, long pants, button-up shirt, but... When you think about it, a lot of elderly people kind of dress in out-of-date clothing anyway, so I shrugged it off. The second thing, he had a coffee mug he was drinking out of. Not a thermos, not a styrofoam cup with a lid. An actual ceramic coffee mug that he was sipping out of right in the middle of the cemetery. Now, uh, that's probably odd for some people, but not, that, for, no. not for you and me. No, not at all. I mean, our both of our trucks are full of ceramic coffee mugs. That's what I carry with me constantly. Do I have my keys? Check. Purse? Check. Coffee mug, check. In fact, that was part of the design for that uh, that container you were going to build for the back of your vehicle was to store all of the empty uh, ceramic coffee mugs. No, I wouldn't plan for being a disgusting hoarder. It just happens that way. <laughs> so it's nature, not nurture. Well, that it doesn't apply in any way here. So anyway, this guy standing there in his corduroy jacket, uh, drinking coffee out of a ceramic mug. Ooh, does it say something like, don't worry, be happy? Or world's best grandpa? Hang in there. I waved to him. He smiled and waved back. I kept walking. We were only a few feet away when the uh, other girl said, that was a little weird. And we both looked over our shoulder back at him and he was gone. We stopped and kind of took a few steps back to see if he'd walked around the mausoleum, but we couldn't see him anywhere. A couple of days later, we showed up for work and found one of the regular workers there to let him know that we were there. We talked to him for a few minutes and I brought up seeing the old man by the mausoleum in the east section. The groundskeeper just kind of smiled and asked me, did he have a coffee mug? We said, yeah. He said, yeah, that's our ghost. He's not really there. So we pressed him for more information. He said that uh, he's always seen that guy in that spot for years, looking at a family plot, always has a coffee mug, always wearing the same clothes. He said there is a grave for a wife and two daughters and the husband. That he stares at. So do you think he was the husband or was he a lover? 
and he was staring at his loved one's grave and his illegitimate children, while the body of the man who she was supposed to be committed to lays rotting and not knowing that his wife was a ne'er-do-well. God, I didn't think of that. Mm. That's much cooler. maybe he's a time traveler. You ever think of that? That's true. He could be a time traveler. He could be a time traveler or a ninja. The husband's grave said that he uh, he passed away in the uh, early 70s and his wife and two daughters' graves passed away a couple of decades before. And the three of them had the exact same date of death, the mother and the two daughters. So they think that this this guy is their dad the spirit of their dad and or at least you know residual haunting maybe for years he came and stood there and had his coffee and spent some time with his loved ones and it's still happening to this day or that woman was a dirty slut (laughs) listen just because you're a slut doesn't mean you're dirty she could have been a clean slut no slut shaming here Anyway, it makes me want to get a job at a graveyard. That sounds really cool. It was one of my most favorite jobs. I loved it. Just the uh, the peace of uh, not having to talk to people. Would you like put your earbuds in and just mow the lawn? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I want a job like that. It was glorious. Except I want a riding mower. I don't want to have to walk. You've got to focus on the quality of the job that you're going to do and that you can only get accomplished with a with a push mower. You did that today here. I'm exhausted watching you mow our lawn. I did mow the lawn today. It was about, I'd say, four weeks overdue. I would say at least that. I have mowed once this year. Well, that I was going to bring that up without sounding, you know, like I'm condemning you in any way because I haven't mowed at all. Right. You in you, years. In years. And and the reason being, I have allergies. <laughs> and you, sweet woman, took it upon yourself to to do the uh, the mowing and the right. and the trimming. And oddly, you're not allergic to snow, yet you don't shovel that. I'm allergic to cold, though. Mm-hmm. You see the rash I get? Mm-hmm. It's it's blistering out there. Yeah. I'm just glad I'm not allergic to our furniture. I don't get it. Because I spent a lot of time there. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I'm sitting in it a lot. I get it. Like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me bum would have a rash. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for you today. The Box of Oddities on your phone a couple times a week. And we'll see you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And watch out for ghosts in corduroy. And ninjas. And slut ghosts. And time-traveling ne'er-do-wells. Okay, bye! <laughs> and so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? 
Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.